0: This is Mrs. Lassiter's list of AP Biology tips. Welcome. If you're tuning in, you're probably one of my AP Biology students or you're interested in learning more about the AP Biology exam. In this second episode, we'll discuss some hints and tips for completing the best FRQs possible. Later episodes will include guides on grid-in questions, content review, and other tips for success on the AP Biology exam. And just as a reminder for how to use this podcast, you can use these episodes when you would not otherwise be studying, like when you're doing laundry or going on a workout, and it'll be like gaining some extra study time. I don't recommend using these as a replacement for in-class work or your homework or flipped video lectures or your textbook readings. These are meant for the purposes of review. All right, so we know that section two of the exam is 90 minutes long total, and this is the free response section. So remember, section two, you're going to start with a 10-minute mandatory reading period um, to read and review the questions and begin planning your responses. The section is going to contain two types of free response questions, six short ones that are worth three or four points each, and two long ones that are worth 10 points each. And then the students, you guys, will have a total of 80 minutes to complete all of the questions after your 10-minute reading period. You will be allowed to use a four-function scientific or graphing calculator on the free response part of the exam, just like in the multiple choice part of the exam, and you will have your formula sheet as well, and remember you have to write in blue or black pen. That is essential for this section, so please, please, please remember to bring your blue or black pen on the day of the exam. A really good strategy I tell all my students for working through FRQs is to look at the old ones. So remember that in 2012 they redesigned the exam. So if you look for anything before 2012, those are interesting content practice, but they're not going to be in the same format or probe the same sort of science practices or big ideas that our current exam does. So if you look for FRQs in 2012 and beyond, you'll be looking at the correct format. So for example, if you looked up you just Googled FRQ 2013's bio, you should be able to find the exact copy of what most students saw in the test that year, as well as the scoring guidelines as well. So the scoring guidelines are like the answer key. I really recommend practicing with these as much as you can. You may see them pop up in AP bio class or similar questions may be asked on the actual AP bio exam. And the more FRQs you do, the more comfortable you will be with answering them and figuring out the right way to answer them. Now, these FRQs are a lot different from maybe some of your other classes or other AP courses, and we'll talk about tips and best ways to write these and how to score the most points possible in this section of the exam. Now, the biggest tip I hear from people who have taught this course for a long time and who have gone to actually grade the FRQs is that students who plan their time, they really use that 10-minute reading period um, to outline and to figure out the scope of all the free response questions are going to be the students who answer all of them and answer answer all of them with the most possible points. So use that reading period. Um, That way you can sort of budget your time. You'll see where you need to work. And another really good strategy is to not leave any questions blank. So if you can kind of Uh, analyze and see how much time each question will take, you can kind of make a plan for the rest of the 80 minutes. And that way you'll have time to write on all the questions. Most questions have a few easy points that are just there and up for grabs. For example, like identify the mechanism or titling your graph appropriately. So don't freak out if you feel like you don't know anything about a question at all. If you just answer something, chances are you may get a point or two for that. So another important tip would be to answer what the question is specifically asking. There'll be these command terms or words in bold, and it's helpful that they actually bold them for you. These things are like analyze or discuss, and we'll go over these in a little bit. But make sure you're answering exactly what it wants you to answer. If it if it says, you know, list Two uh, possible causes for this situation. You should only list two. You know they're going to go through and read your first two that you put down. If you list a third, they're not going to continue reading your list. You do not need to restate the question. This is really important. This is a waste of time. The readers will know exactly what you're trying to answer. So as long as you're writing the correct section for the correct question, you do not need to restate the question. Make sure if you use uh, certain terms, you define those so people know what you're talking about. The key here is that we don't want flowery essays for the AP Biology exam. We want you to get your point across and get it across quickly. You don't have a lot of time, so it's good to make sure you're not wasting it writing flowery, really beautifully constructed paragraphs. So don't write too much. If you do what the prompts ask for, you should be able to get as many points as possible. You don't need to go above and beyond to get more points. Again, This is kind of tricky because it does say write in paragraph form, not bullet point and not numbered list. They won't grade them if it's in bullet points or not completely written in sentences. But again, perfect essay writing isn't what they're looking for. So don't obsess over correct grammar. Don't obsess over getting the spelling right for a word. There's no deductions for doing something, spelling something incorrectly or using incorrect grammar as long as it's readable and intelligible. Say, for example, you forget how to spell chemiosmosis. If it looks and sounds uh, phonetically like chemiosmosis, the great readers will most likely give you points if that was the answer they were looking for. Um, if it's a word that's completely wrong, obviously they won't give you the points, but um, if you are spelling it out as it sounds, you'll probably be in, in luck. <laughs> um, again, there's no extra points earned for a good topic sentence or a thesis statement. So don't ramble and you don't need to conclude or do anything flowery at the end. If you're diagramming something, um, typically these are helpful for you more so than the readers. Sometimes diagrams are not graded. If you do use a diagram, please make sure you reference it when you're writing. Also, um, sometimes you will be asked to graph or diagram and that t- those times you definitely want to draw those diagrams. But for the most part, you um, you need to write out what you mean and um, you need to describe it in words. All right. Points aren't taken away from you if you answer a question incorrectly, but um, if you write something incorrectly, the readers will keep reading until uh, they see something that they could possibly give an answer for. You just can't contradict yourself. So if you say one correct thing in the top of your FRQ and then you say an incorrect thing later on, you will not get those points. So be careful, again, of writing too much. You really want to put your best answers down on the FRQ. There will probably be a lab question, and in lab questions, it's really good to talk about your hypothesis uh, for the lab. It'll probably ask you to do a, several things, like stating the control group, stating the variables, talking about other... um other variables that you need to make sure you hold constant and talk about your data, talking about uh, how you're going to collect that data and how you're going to compare it. So percent change is a really common one. Um, How are you going to make this experiment valid? So are you going to use repeated trials? Are you going to use a really big uh, group of organisms or a huge sample size? Are you going to have this conducted in a variety of environments? Um, And then it's good to make predictions as well as to how you think this experiment will turn out. Now, what you don't need to do is be so specific in that I had a student once who put on an F-R-Q, you know, go to the store, buy the seeds, put the seeds on the counter. That's a waste of time. Again, all of that is implied. If you are asked to design a procedure, just make sure you do the baseline experimental setup to uh, make sure your reader understands what you're talking about, but you do not have to lay it out step by step. All right. If you have extra time on the FRQs, be sure to read the prompt again. You may have missed something the first time around and you want to go back and double check that you answered everything according to what it asked. Make sure you answer in order too. Sometimes a a certain free response question will have multiple things you need to do. And if you answer them out of order, you can still get points. It just slows the person who's grading it down and it makes it a little bit more difficult for them to find your choice. What you can do is not bullet point, but for example, if you have an answer that's coming in a paragraph that correlates to part C of question two, you can, in parentheses, put 2C next to that part of your answer. You don't have to do this. Um, It's a helpful trick. But, again, it's, it's a way to help your reader out and help them find what exactly you're answering for each section. So, again, when you're looking at old FRQs, remember that questions before 2012 aren't from the current course, so please make sure you try to look for the current ones. Anything from 2012 to 2017 will reflect what you will see on your exam. So, let's talk about some of those words that you might see on the AP Biology biology exam in bold, and these are things that you'll have to do. So, some of these you'll say like, oh, duh, that's obvious. But, you know, disgust, that's a little vague. So let's talk about some of them that are a little bit more vague. Analyze, you may be asked to analyze data or an experiment or a certain hypothesis or a statement. Um, using evidence um, to reach a certain conclusion. In comparing, you might want to point out some similarities between two things. In constructing, you're going to generally design a graph, and it'll tell you very specifically what you're supposed to construct. If you're describing, you are taking in words uh, the characteristics of something and uh, or detailing a process. If you're talking about evaluating something, you are looking at the positives and negatives. You're kind of judging it, and you're assessing all the implications and limitations. So evaluate, that's kind of a tricky one. And interpret. Here we're looking at something, generally a graph or a data set or a specific model to critically analyze it or explain something that's not super obvious. And again, sometimes you may think something is implied, but again, we've talked about not rambling or overstating something, but it's good to make sure that your reader knows what you're talking about. So if you ever do need to define a term or concept a little bit more, it's all right to make your sentence a little longer for that. Lastly, I wanted to talk about an example of an FRQ that last year threw a lot of students off because it showed them a situation or a piece of content that they had never seen before, which is really common on the AP exam. And you're going to have those moments on the exam where you come across an experiment or a lab technique or some sort of data or something that you have never heard before and it really throws you off and you're going to get mad at your teacher or mad at me and you're going to get really frustrated. But the exam does this on purpose. It is meant to see if you can synthesize new information with information you already have and it's going to test your analytical skills and, of course, your critical thinking skills in the context of new information. So in this case, we were talking about a common assay, which is a type of gel electrophoresis. It's also called single-cell gel electrophoresis, or SCRE. And in the FRQ, they tell you what it is. They tell you what it's used for. And then it it asks you a few questions about using this particular lab technique. Now, a lot of students froze on this question because they were really confused. Like, wait, we've studied gel electrophoresis, but not this comet thing. What's going on here? And only 49% of students who answer the FRQ got uh, the full points, I think the full points, or got at least some of the points for this section. So a lot of students didn't get any points for this particular question. But it's a really great question because it's really, in the end, not that difficult, and it asks you to recall some really basic information about DNA and then uh, analyze it in the context of this particular lab technique. So in the question, it tells you about this technique. It tells you how it's used and that it's used to determine how many uh, double-strand breaks or the... Amount of double strand breaks in DNA in cells, so we're looking at DNA damage, and it gives us a diagram of how it works. And this is on the 2017 FRQs, if you want to follow along with me. And then it shows you uh, how what it looks like under the microscope and how you would measure it. So in this case, a length of a tail that we see, so sort of like a comet has a tail, um, is going to correspond to the amount of damage in the DNA. So. In order to get uh, points for this first section, Part A, you need to identify one property of DNA and provide reasoning to support how the property contributes to the movement during the technique. And so in doing so, you can think of one property of DNA, and there were two possible points word in this question, but you could have gotten a a point for saying that DNA has a negative charge. We know that. That's easy. And that DNA would move towards the positive or the oppositely charged pole in your common essay, just like in regular gel electrophoresis. So we didn't need to know anything about this technique in order to answer that question, right? You could have also said that DNA can be in different fragments or different sizes of fragments. And again, that's just a really easy way to think about regular gel electrophoresis that you're just applying to a new situation. So that's not like super deep, really tough AP bio knowledge, there. You're just putting it in the context of something new. In the second part, you had to make a prediction about the results of an experiment here. So what I'd like you to do, if you're listening, why don't you go ahead and look up that particular FRQ, read through it all the way, try part B, and then look up the scoring guidelines and see if you could have gotten any points. And remember, don't be afraid because it's something that you might have never seen before. All right, the most important advice I can offer for the FRQs is to practice them. So please, if you have some study time, if you're sitting down on by yourself or with friends, pull up some old FRQs, read through them, look at the diagrams they give you, practice them, and then grade yourself because that way you'll know what they are looking for, you'll know what to expect on the exam, and you won't have any surprises come up on the day of the exam or any bad surprises, I should say. All right. Those are my top tips for doing really well on the free response section of the AP Biology exam. If you'd like to stick around for more tips, there'll be more episodes soon. Thanks so much. AP Biology is trademark registered by the College Board, which is not affiliated with and does not endorse this podcast.